guys, welcome back to The Other Perspective. This is another episode with your host, Fatima. And today I'm going to be talking a little bit about the UN and about imperialism and um, the international system. So before we get into that, I wanted to give a quick overview of the Bretton Woods system and um, the world order that emerged after World War II, just so everyone knows what I'm talking about and so that we're all on the same page, um, and talk a little bit about colonialism as an introduction. So this is actually one of the topics that interests me a lot because I am an international relations major and I'm very interested in conflict studies and in development studies. And one of the things that I've noticed as I have gone on um, in my undergraduate degree and also as I begin my master's degree, um, I'm in my first year, and I've noticed that a lot of the literature in the field is very neoliberal and Western-centric, if that makes sense. And I think that we need more people of color from who are children of immigrants from developing countries and women in general, actually, to kind of break up like the white male um, narrative that very heavily exists in the field. Um, so I just wanted to give a little bit of my own perspective on some of the stuff that is often talked about. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about like foreign aid and economic development and how it's a form of imperialism in and of itself. Um, So I, to give a quick overview of the history of all of this, there is a book by Philip McMichael and um, in it, he talks about agricultural policy and development. And he uh, tells the history of how there was a bilateral Marshall Plan and multilateral Bretton Woods institutions after World War II. And these emerged because... um, European nations at the time needed aid because obviously World War II was very devastating for them. And um, the Marshall Plan basically involved giving aid to these countries. And it was a way of also making sure that nations were allegiant to the Western free enterprise system. Um, so that was what the countries giving the aid got in exchange for that, right? And... Um, not only did the Marshall Plan occur during the Cold War, where obviously there was a big difference between the United States and the Soviet Union and democracy and communism, so the United States needed as many people to support democracy as possible. Um, and the U.S. Assistant Secretary of State actually said the only way to meet communism is to start this new program of assistance that's directly given by the United States. So that was one of the motives behind um, the Marshall Plan that's not often talked about because uh, people tend to see foreign aid and uh, development aid in general as something that's very, um, what is the correct word? They tend to see it as something that is very, like, a f- some like some countries are doing other countries a favor when there is a lot of underlying motives that we don't know about unless we actually study this um, concept. And There is a lot of evidence outside of McMichael's book, obviously, that supports his argument, and that includes the Marshall Plan speech and the text of it. Um, And then in terms of the Bretton Woods institutions, those institutions relied on member subscriptions, and they used those subscriptions to borrow money, to raise money for development, and to distribute these funds to countries that needed to stabilize their national currency exchanges. So the problem with that is that control of the World Bank was dominated by the five biggest shareholders, and because of that, the World Bank became basically a reflection of first world, first world priorities. So when they lended things to a country, there was um, 
something called structural adjustment programs, where they would lend money to certain countries in exchange for the countries doing something like becoming more democratic or changing their government. And the problem with that was it reflected what um, the developing the what the developed countries needed rather than what the developing countries needed. Um, so foreign aid at the time was basically dictated by Cold War rivalries. <clears throat> and like I said, these developed countries channeled their funds um, to politically strategic countries they knew would support them. And the problem with that was a disproportionate amount of money was given to regionally powerful states. And this caused other countries to become extremely underdeveloped. And these powerful middle income countries just became richer and richer. Um, so after that happened, uh, there was a shift in the division of labor and the food aid regime. And uh, the way aid became very selective uh, and how countries were, like I mentioned, were left behind and they were unable to catch up. Uh, and the countries that were catching up and that were doing well, the middle income countries, the problem with these, with the way aid was distributed is that it was used for manufacturing rather than agriculture in these countries. And the issue with that is that in many um, underdeveloped and developing countries, agriculture was a big part of who they were. And it was a big part of how regular ordinary people made money. And during the shift to manufacturing, it completely left behind farmers and caused a big poverty problem. And um, the... Much of the foreign investment in electronic assembly actually focused on the Asian middle income countries. And like I mentioned, that was an issue for many reasons. And then on the other hand, instead of having smallholder farmers in these developing nations who made most of the food, uh, commercial agriculture actually began to be concentrated in the United States. Um, well, while manufacturing was concentrated in the developing world. So food aid allowed the U.S. government to purchase food without depleting scarce foreign currency, and this resulted in food dependency. Basically, food dependency was where third world countries, or that's not a term I should use because it implies a hierarchy, um, rather developing nations, um, uh, when they began shifting to industrial manufacturing, they left behind peasant agriculture, like I mentioned, and because of that, it made the entire... A uh, whole population dependent on um, developed countries for food, which is an issue because they couldn't make their own food and it led to farming being obsolete in these countries. And the issue was the only people who benefited from food aid were agribusiness firms, maritime companies, and private voluntary organizations. So none of that money went to the people. And the issue with all of this, and I keep saying the issue a lot of times, but because there were a lot of issues with this new world order and with the way things were structured, is that aid, after it reaches a certain point, a certain percentage of GDP, it stops being effective. And this is because large amounts of money without any type of restrictions, they don't usually get well spent, especially when they're given to the government. And... Many underdeveloped countries appear to be trapped in underdevelopment despite the incredible amount of aid that's given to them every year. Um, because, because of the way things are and the way Western countries give aid, I would say that aid and development and the Bretton Woods institutions in general are a continuation of imperialism because the countries that are utilizing like this aid to serve their needs. The problem with that is 
They're very neoliberal, and they were the ones that perpetuated colonialism in the first place. And it once a country has been through colonialism, it's very difficult for that country to get back on its feet and to go back to being a country that actually produces its own food. And um, it makes it very difficult to be self-sufficient. So, like I mentioned, this is a big problem in third world countries, and the UN is basically a continuation of colonialism because even when countries are in conflict, which is in large part caused by colonialism, especially in Africa, um, as everyone knows about the Rwanda genocide and all of that, if Africa hadn't been split up into countries that were not according to the tribes that lived there after colonialism, there would be no conflicts today. So when we talk about these types of conflicts in Africa and other nations that were a result of colonialism, and then we try to pick them apart and we send in Western nations to try to break up these types of conflicts, what we're doing is we're actually perpetuating the conflicts because it has been known that third-party involvement actually increases the duration of war. So it really doesn't help having a country come in and try to fix things, right? Um, so I would say that's one of the biggest issues with the UN and something that really needs to be emphasized in development studies and in conflict studies and international relations in general because we tend to think of the UN as this benevolent, um, organization that just wants to help out when in reality it's a lot more complicated than that and uh, this de is definitely a subject that needs to be studied further um, but this is just an introductory kind of introduction to this concept and I won't go too much in depth into it because it does get very complicated and the liter literature says many different things but there is a ray of hope because there are many female scholars in the field who are putting out these types of um, studies and actually there is one professor at my university who put out a study about how the UN has basically continued imperialism and that was really nice to read I think it was her dissertation actually it was a really fresh perspective so we need more younger female scholars who are interested in conflict studies and who actually want to bring about lasting change um, to look at this not from a savior perspective but to consider the perspectives of people living in these countries and for development practitioners to consult people living in the country who know the customs, who know the culture, and who can provide uh, the proper recommendations for policies that will help improve these countries. So thank you so much for listening to this. I hope you learned something. And this is definitely a discussion to be continued. There will be a part two, and I will talk more about the imperialism side, but... Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this and please subscribe to the Genrise podcast.